Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. from like David said jumping over that wall what keeps us literally in chains or hindered and not fulfilling the very thing that God wants us to do amen Amen. and I want to tell you this morning is that God wants you to have the Holy Ghost okay The Bible says, the Holy Ghost is for you and your children, meaning that it was not meant for one period in history. And that's what some Bible scholars will try to tell you. They will tell you that it was only meant for the time of the apostles and that it died out. Name me one thing that God has done that has died out. Come on now. What is God's word? God's word is eternal. Amen. God's word is forever. There's nothing that he gives us that is going to die out. Everything he gives us lives on forever and ever and ever. And he wants you to have the Holy Ghost this morning. He wants you to operate in the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be overcome with the Holy Ghost. But what the Lord has revealed to me this morning is we have a fear of the Holy Ghost, because we don't like what we like to call the unknown, don't we? Anybody ever like going into a dark room by themselves? I know I don't. You know what I do? I say, Jenny, come here, go in there. And she says, why me? I said, well, there might be, you know, you know, bo- or, you know like a boogeyman in there or something. I don't want to get hurt, <laughs> you know. We don't like going into a dark room because we're uncomfortable, amen. But let's look at this first verse. I shared it with you last week. And, and I realize some of the things that I'm saying I've said before, but I, I think it bears repeating because you need to hear this over and over again, amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, listen to what the Lord says to the disciples, amen. Listen to this. He says, You shall receive, say that word for me. Okay, everybody awake? Okay, let's try that again, okay? You shall receive. I was watching Celebration yesterday. A lot of you had your phones on, and and I saw the things that were happening. And and what what I heard from the community is that you felt power from the dance. You felt power from the unity. You felt power, and, and, and when I say these things, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm going to say what was said on Facebook. But let me tell you something. As great as that moment was for you, that is nothing compared to what the Holy Ghost can do for you. Amen? That's nothing compared. Amen? That is only a taste. Amen? That is only a taste, and that's what happens. That's what's supposed to happen when a church comes together. Praise God. If we can go to the celebration hall and dance around, then we can dance around in the house of God. Amen. If we can go and we can yell and scream in the celebration hall, then we can yell and scream in the house of God. Amen. You shall receive power. 
when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now let me let me kind of let me kind of dispel a notion here. The Holy Ghost is not for the sole purpose of you speaking in tongues. That kind of surprised you, didn't it? It's not for the sole purpose of you dancing around, even though those things are a part of it. It's not for the sole purpose of healings, but the sole purpose of the Holy Spirit or the main purpose of the Holy Spirit is so that you do this very next thing, brothers and sisters, and you shall be witnesses. That's why we have the Holy Ghost. It's so we can go out. Amen? We're not to come to church for the sole purpose of dancing around and doing car wheels and jumping over chairs. Our purpose is so that we can receive power to go out. Amen? Power to be witnesses in the workplace. Power to be a witness in our home. Power to be witnesses in our car. Power to be witnesses in our friend's house, in our family's house. Power to be witnesses in the legislature. Power to be witnesses in the assembly. Power to be witnesses in our tribe. Power to be witnesses, praise God. That's what our job is. Man, we're not even two minutes in and I'm already wound up. We shall be witnesses to me, meaning Jesus in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to just Jerusalem. Man, somehow we get this context that we're only supposed to be witnesses to the people around us. Absolutely not. The whole world needs to hear about Jesus. Amen? This, this church, when we do a podcast, when we do a podcast, over 85 countries have heard the gospel from this church. Amen? 85 countries. But listen... None of that matters if they don't accept Jesus, amen? None of that matters if they don't hear the word of God, amen? I'm telling you, they need to take in the word of God. They need to live the word of God. We are called to be witnesses to this generation. We are responsible for this generation, amen? You are responsible. Don't sit there and complain about our youth. Uh Uh-oh. I don't want to hear no complaining about our youth. Our youth are only a reflection of who we are. Woo! Come on. He's preaching this morning. Our youth are only a reflection of how we serve God. If we don't come to church, guess what? They won't come to church. Amen? If church is not important to us, it won't be important to them. If we don't show them how to worship, the devil will show them what to worship. Oh, praise God. That was a statement for the ages. If we don't show them how to worship, the devil will show them what to worship. If we don't show them how to serve God and give God our tithe and offering, the devil will show them what to spend their money on. If we don't show them how to put God first, the devil will make them first. Listen, mothers. Listen, sisters. The Holy Ghost is meant for us to bring in the final age. We are in the final age. Every preacher I've ever known says the Lord is coming back any day now. I am 52 years old almost can't believe I said I'm 52. Man, I'm getting old. Wow. That just really hit me. That means you're really old, Mom and Dad. Dad just celebrated his 85th year. Mom's 95. No, they're not that old. The Lord is coming back. 
And I don't know if it's going to happen today. I don't know if it's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to happen next year. But we are living in the final days, brothers and sisters, and we need the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost to reach out. We need the Holy Ghost to convict. We need the Holy Ghost. It is time for the church to look no longer passive, but engaged. Man, we need, we need to stop being passive. You know, let me, one of the reasons why we, we live in fear of maybe the baptism of the Holy Ghost is because we fear what we don't understand. You know, the Hebrews were afraid of the presence of God. Remember I talked about that? They were afraid to go into the cloud. They said, Moses, you go do this. But let me let you know a little secret. The devil wants you to be afraid because he knows what will happen to you once you receive it. All right, I'm going to say that again because I don't think you're with me. All right, everybody stay up late last night because of the sun. A couple weeks ago, the, the temperature was 1,000 degrees in my house, and I couldn't sleep, right? And, and last night, it was like 50 degrees, and it was perfect. I love that cold weather. I threw open the window, and then without me knowing it, Jenny closed the window. And I just love that cold air, right? I just love the cold air coming in. That's why I meant to be in Alaska. And it felt good. I got good sleep. So hopefully you got good sleep. So I'm a little alive this morning. Amen? Now, I, I, I will tell you that I did have a man cold this week, which we know is by far the worst thing that you can have. Worse than childbirth. Right, Helen? <laughs> Amen. It was rough. But I got through it. Praise God. But I want you to understand this morning is the devil is afraid because he doesn't want you to have the Holy Ghost. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to really point this out to you. He does not want you to have the Holy Ghost. He wants you to sit there and, and just not react. Let me, in our Pentecostal tradition, we believe in heart engagement. We believe that if we love the Lord, that we're going to get into it. And we're going to express that with our emotions. Now, are emotions a bad thing? Well, they could be sometimes, but let me explain how it's a good thing, okay? A couple weeks ago, we went to my daughter's graduation. Dave, you were there. Mason, you were there. We went to our daughter's graduation, and Brittany graduated. You were there, and... and uh, what happened was, they came in, they marched in, and I saw my little girl, my, my little baby princess, walking with her graduation cap. You know what I did? I sat there and went like this. Is that how I did it? Oh, I'm sorry, I thought about how some of us act on Sunday morning. My mistake. What I did is when I saw my daughter come in, I got a little tear in my eye. And I looked at my wife and I said, aren't I a great dad? That, that's all me. You had nothing to do with that. And I looked at her and a little tear came down my eye and I was happy. That was an emotion. Amen? And, and, and I remember when they called out her name. And every parent was doing this. I wasn't the only one. Every parent, you were there, and every parent was doing this. They call out the kid's name, and the parent would go, ah! 
and the kids would look at us like, oh, be quiet, please. But yet they were excited about it, right? They're like, stop yelling, yell more, okay? And so Brittany went up there, and we like, Brittany, yay! And she was like, I know, I know, I know. It's okay, more, please. And then, and then we yelled out for Juliana, even though the, guy, the principal called her Juliana, which she hates. And, or, and so we made up a sign. We wanted to call her Julia just to mess with her. And we were just having a good time. And when they called her, her name, I started clapping. And I started yelling and screaming and raising my hand. And I looked at my wife and I said, we did it. And we were all excited. Do you know why? Because that moment elicited an emotion from me. Because of my love for my daughter. My love for my family, my love for my children and their accomplishments, that connection I have to them, brothers and sisters. If I have that kind of connection with my daughter, with my wife, when my son graduated, how much more of a connection do I have with God? Amen? How much more of a connection do I have with God? Did I want to raise my hands and I want to jump up and down and say, yes, Lord? But pastor, the drums are too loud. I know the drums are a little loud this morning, but we're working on that. It's okay, right? We let things keep us from worship, don't we? Listen, if we really love God, like we say we do, nothing would keep us or hinder us from worship. Amen? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. You you nobody, if somebody come over to me, if somebody come over to me and say, uh, Mr. Green with your daughter, you need to quieten down. You know what I would tell them? You need to shut up. I'm a yell and scream, okay? You can, because if, if I'm quiet, my wife's going to get mad at me, amen? Listen, and Jesus said that if these people are quiet, the very rocks will cry out, brothers and sisters. Then that means what God expects from me, what God expects from us is worship, we're not afraid to be demonstrative. Again, I saw in celebration, I saw dancing and joy and all those things because it's been about four years since the last one, right? We're brothers and sisters. That's wonderful. Again, I'm not criticizing that. I think it's incredible. However, if we can do that for this, how can we, we do it here? Amen. We've got to worship the Lord. We can't be reserved. If I were to go up to my wife and never express to her how I feel about her, if I never said I loved her, and my, my thing was, well, I'm here, aren't I? Doesn't that show you my love? I give you money. Does that not show you my love? Not really. My, my wife needs that touch from me. Amen. She needs that. She means me to go up and put my arms around her and to, to, to lovingly kiss her on the cheek and say, hey, you're important to me. You're the most important thing in the world to me. And she, I need her to hold my hand sometimes. I need her to, to, uh, to just simply say, I love you or, or, you know, you're the greatest man in the world and you're so incredibly handsome. And I know all those things. I admit that about myself. But we need that affection for one another, right? So that's why there's working with God or serving God is a heart affection. It's a heart emotion. John Wesley talked about this. It is a heart emotion when we serve God and we love God. We express to him with our bodies. We express to him with our heart, with our emotion. We love him. We raise our hands. 
We give our hearts, amen? When you get into the presence of God, you become emotional, and you worship with emotion. Now, here's what happens. Because everything God does, the enemy tries to come in and undermine it, doesn't he? The enemy tries to come in and copy it and distract. You ever been in church when you've always got that one person who's louder than everybody else and it distracts? Amen? Or, or you, got, you got someone who does something that makes it about themselves and not about God, and you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going to reject the whole thing. And see, that's called throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Let God deal with that person, and you worry about your relationship with God. Amen? You worry about your relationship with God because you're not going to be able to stand before God and say, well, God, you know, so-and-so was loud and he clapped and he, he spoke where everybody could hear him. And, and you know, I just, I couldn't worship because of him. And God's going to say, you don't worship because of him. You worship because of me. Amen. You worship because of me. Amen. And if we can't find it in ourselves to worship the Lord, brothers and sisters, then we are truly lost this morning. I'm going to say that again because I want you to hear me. I know I'm speaking some hard truths this morning, but if we cannot find it in ourselves to worship God of our own accord, then we are lost. We are lost. Why are we here? Why are we here? We're here to worship God. Amen? You're not here. You're not here to hear me speak. You're not here to hear me vocalize for an hour and a half. You're not here because of our praise team. You are here to receive from God. If you want to receive from God, then you got to give God something. Amen? God's not going to come to you unless you give him something. That's the way it is. Even in salvation, you have to offer the sinner's prayer and submission. You're giving him yourself, amen? But I'm telling you, this morning, you have to be willing to give yourself to God. You've got to be willing to lose that fear. See, there was a man in the Bible, David. He danced before the Lord because the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, had come to Jerusalem. See, this was important because the Ark of the Covenant, signifying the presence of the Lord, validated his kingship. And David was happy. Just like when Julie and Brittany were walking down the aisle of the, uh, the graduation. And uh, one of these days, they're going to be walking down the aisle to get married too, right? I don't, I see, yeah, I don't even want to think about that. Many, many years from now, girls, many, many years from now. But in the same way, I was happy, and I immediately had emotion. When David saw the Ark of the Covenant, he's just, he started dancing. He's like, oh, man, this is awesome. The power of God is here. And he started dancing. Now, just so that you know, it wasn't one of these dances where he held out his hand and said, oh, you know, the, what is it, the foxtrot or whatever. He didn't do that. No, he was jumping up and down. He, he was dancing so hard, his clothes fell off. Let's not dance that hard. Okay, Will, please. Please. Okay? Now, part of my clothes are going to come off in a second. This jacket's coming off, and that's as far as I'm going to go. Amen? That's as far as I go. See, I don't think it's so much as a dad bod. I have a father figure, okay? That was a joke. You'll get it eventually. <laughs> but his clothes came off. You know, why do we wear clothes? 
for the obvious reasons that we're modest, right? There are some girls walking around downtown that I wish had a little bit of modesty, but we're not going to go there at this moment. And so we wear them because we're modest, right? But David, when he danced before the Lord, his last concern was about modesty. He was so happy to be in the presence of the Lord that he shook his modesty, was willing to be humiliated before the Lord. And as a matter of fact, his wife, Michael, made fun of him. She made fun of him. She mocked him. She says, I can't believe, I can't believe a king would do such things. You know what David said, and I'm paraphrasing here. He says, I will worship the Lord no matter what and in whatever way that I deem fit. He's already starting. He's already starting. Thank you, babe. I love her so much. Amen. The problem is we've seen so many people do things that are not of God that we're not willing to humiliate ourselves. We're not, not willing for others to see us because we're afraid they're going to talk about us behind our back. I've got to say this one more time. You need to quit forgetting what people are saying about you. You need to forget it. You need to break that fear you have. You need to break that fear you have. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus wants you to have it. He wants you to have it. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus wants you to have the Holy Ghost. This is what he said in John chapter 20, verse 22. He says this. And when he said this, this is Jesus talking. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now think about that for a moment. He wants us to have the Holy Ghost. He told us to wait on the baptism. He wants you to have the Holy Ghost. He wants you to have this. He imparted to them the baptism, and he told them to wait for it. But he wants us to have it so that you understand this, so that we can do greater things. Amen. We can do greater things. My son, or my dad told me when I was younger, I'll never forget this. He says, son, I want you to be better than me. I want you to have a better ministry. I want you to be a better husband. I want you to be better me. That's what I've been training you for. And, and for my son, when my son growing up, I had a long talk with him a couple of days ago. I said, I'm teaching you things because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. I want to show you to be a better man. I want you to have a better ministry. I want people to look at you and see somebody more than me. I'm going to fade into the background, son. It's time for you to step up front. This is your time, amen? That's what fathers do. That's what we're supposed to do. And in the same way... In the same way, 
Jesus imparts the gift to us, not so that he can be in the background, so that his Father can be lifted up. Amen? He has given us more gifts. He has given us the Holy Ghost so that we can rise people from the dead, so that we can heal the brokenhearted, so that we can heal the broken in spirit. That is why we are here, brothers and sisters, to help usher in these last days. Amen? That's why we're here. Let me ask you this. How many people do you know are going to hell? And then I'm going to ask you another question. Now, this is going to sting a little bit, okay? I always say that, don't I? What are you doing about it? Don't, don't sit there and say, we're all for a little prayer every night. No. Listen, it's not that that little prayer isn't meaningful. But it is time for us to start praying in the Holy Ghost and taking authority over those demonic forces in their life. Amen? Listen. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is violent, and the violent take it by force, brothers and sisters. We are to go into the enemy's camp, praise God. And I love what Will said this morning, because we need some mighty men and women of God to... Oh, hallelujah. We need some mighty men and women of God to go in and draw out the holy water of God. Hallelujah. And to bring it back to the people and say, here's what you need. Here's what you need. Here's what you need. Praise God. Oh, man, I had no idea that I was going to talk about that. But brothers and sisters, we need mighty men and women of God full of the Holy Ghost. When is the last time you spoke in tongues? Let me tell you, the Holy Ghost can leave you just like it came upon you. The Holy Ghost can leave you because if you don't exercise it, if you don't live a holy life, it has no reason to stay around. Amen. The whole purpose of the Holy Ghost coming upon you is so that you can usher in these last days and win people to the Lord. A hundred years ago, when Azusa Street was here, they recognized the power of the Holy Ghost. They saw it as drawing closer to God. They saw it having insight into God. They saw it as walking hand in hand with God. Too many people are afraid to take God's hand. I tell you today, if you don't have God's hand, you have the devil's hand. And I would much rather have God's hand. Much rather have God's hand. Pastor, why you got to be so dramatic? Because these are last days. Would you rather me sugarcoated and lie to you or tell you the truth? See, I'm going to be judged for what I say to you. And I'm telling you, if the Lord came back this afternoon, I would not be surprised. I'm so frustrated. This is supposedly called Pride Month. Five members of the Tampa Bay baseball team declined to wear a pride ribbon because they said it conflicted with their beliefs. They were punished. They were talked about. They were ridiculed. They were mocked. All because they stood up for their belief. They even said, we don't condemn you, but it is not for us. We will not bow down to this God of pride. They put their careers on the line. They put literally their lives on the line. We have Supreme Court justices who are about to vote down Roe v. Wade that are in the process of someone trying to assassinate them, brothers and sisters. We are in the last time. There are wars and rumors of wars. There are things happening over this world. About a month ago, 
The wealthiest individuals in the world all flew to Switzerland to discuss how they can monitor us and help us to, to not violate climate change. Brothers and sisters, this is the last days. We need, we need to get a hold of God. You can't, you can't just skate through and think it's okay. That, that, that option is no longer on the table. Maybe it was at some point, but these are the last days that we need God. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I feel you. John 14, 12 says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. What did Jesus do? He raised three people from the dead. And then he raised himself from the dead. What did Jesus do? He healed lepers. He healed the brokenhearted, the woman who had an issue of blood. He, he allowed her to touch him. The, the young girl, Jerry's his daughter, he raised her from the dead. Not only did that, but he trained 11, we say 12, but one turned their back on him. He trained 11 men to follow him and also women that we don't hear about. Jesus did all those things. If he says he did that, we're going to do it. Amen. He said, not only are you going to do what I did, but then he says this. Say that worth with me. And does anybody believe that? Come on now. You mean you got, you got the whole New Testament filled with the things that Jesus did, right? Some pretty cool stuff in there. Jesus healed a blind man. Jesus, see, if he healed you a leprosy, not only did he heal you, because in leprosy you're your fingers and your toes and your arms would literally rot away. But his, the Bible says that he made them whole. So when he says when he made them whole, that means that their appendages actually grew back. Whew. They grew back. Amen? So here, there's people all around us that sin has literally stolen Stolen their lungs and their and and stolen their their heart and their liver and and God has given us the power the power to heal them Amen. Well, Pastor, that's your job. Oh no. Actually, did you know I'm not even supposed to be praying over people? That's the elders' job. We have people assigned for that. My job is to manage the service. Amen. That's what my job, my job is to bring the word. I'm going to stay in my lane if you don't mind. You've noticed I'm not doing music anymore either, right? See, God has called you to do this. God, listen to me. God has called you to do this, amen? He has looked down from heaven and said, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you. He said, Keith, I want you to preach and then shut up and then let me work. They called you to lay hands on the sick. He called you to call out those who need salvation, amen? He called you. See, the devil doesn't want you to do that because he knows that once you have the Holy Ghost, you become an armed army. 
You know what the first thing that the Philistines did to the Israelites when they took them over? Is they took away not only their swords, but they took away their ability to make metal. It says that in Judges. Right before Gideon. Or, no, I'm not Gideon. I think it was David. I'm sorry. When Saul took away their ability to make weapons. Oh, man, God. Brothers and sisters, the devil has taken away our ability to make weapons. Because we've gotten away from the word of God. We've gotten away from church. Church has become optional. And we've gotten away from fellowship because of COVID. He has stolen from us. He has stolen from us. He has taken away our ability to make weapons. Brothers and sisters, God is our weapon. But the only way we have access is to get back to him. We've got to get back to God. Amen. We've got to get back to God. He wants you to have the Holy Ghost. And the devil does not. You know why the devil is afraid of this? I've got three reasons. Is this making sense to anybody? Is it making sense? All right, we're checking. First of all, you'll receive boldness. I know some of us have what I call a timid spirit. And I want to make sure that I'm not making you feel bad about yourself because when I say timid, I mean shy, meek, not fearful. I love people with a timid spirit because they're the ones who speak into your life and they don't have to yell doing it. Okay, so you guys understand when I'm not criticizing you about that? It's okay to have a timid spirit. I know people that say, well, I can't yell and scream and, and all that when, when I pray. And when I talk about being emotional, I, I do talk about raising your hands, but any kind of emotion is good, Okay. So it's not about the reason you're, or, you know, shouting. Sometimes it's about just that, that, that soft voice to the Lord. So when I say these things, I'm not talking about people who are timid in their spirit. But God gives you a boldness to where you're not afraid to say what needs to be said at the time. Amen? God gives you a boldness to talk to that person that needs to be talked to. God gives you that boldness to lay hands on that person who needs healing and not be afraid. Well, you say, well, what if they're not healed? Great, we'll pray for them again. Okay? Listen. If somebody doesn't get healed today, you know what we're going to do? Next Sunday, we're going to pray again. It's not a, it may take a thousand times because God has his reasons. I'm not God. I don't get it. But unless he's going to do it, amen, God, God will do what he is going to do. But God, the devil doesn't want you to have boldness. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So in other words, brothers and sisters, you're not fighting me, and I'm not fighting you, and you're not fighting each other, okay? We're not fighting each other. If, you're, if you think you're fighting me, then we got issues, amen? Because I'm not fighting you. Or if you're fighting somebody in this church, then we got issues because we're not supposed to fight. We're supposed to love one another. 
Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to get along all the time, right? You ever, you ever been in a family situation when you get mad at somebody? I asked the teenagers, I said, who do you get into arguments with? And they all pointed at their siblings. It was hilarious. I said, who do you hate the most? And they pointed at their siblings. And then I said, who do you love the most? And they pointed at their siblings. Isn't that great, funny? Sibling rivalry and the way they go at each other, but dare, don't you dare mess with one of them. They'll come out fighting against all of you, right? I'll never forget, I, I, I pick on the Johnson girls a lot. I was, I, I, you know, they pick on each other and they're merciless, right? I mean, they just absolutely go after the juggler with each one of them. And then, and then I, I maybe start picking on them and they look at me and say, you're not included in this. <laughs> That's our sister and we will, we will kick you in the shin bone. <laughs> That's because you don't mess with them, right? That's how it is. There's a bond there, right? And they said, we can make fun of each other. We can argue, but you don't argue with us. And brothers and sisters, that's how the church needs to be. We can argue with one another. We can fuss. We can fight. But the moment the devil comes against one of us, he comes against all of us, amen? The moment the devil steps in and tries to attack one of us, he attacks all of us, amen? We need to go out to the devil with a vengeance. We need to have boldness in the house of God. Sometimes when one of us is beaten up, we all step back like, ooh, I don't want any part of that. They must be in sin. Man, no. You know what Jesus did when someone is hurting, even if they had leprosy? Jesus went up and hugged them. Praise God. He went up and hugged them. He put his arm around them. Oh, I remember that song. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He touched me. Praise God. We need to have that ability to surround each other. We need a boldness in the house of God. When people come to protest, we need a boldness in the house of God. Not to go out and fight them, but to get on our knees and pray for them. We need a boldness in the house of God to stand up for what's wrong or stand up for what's right against the wrong in this world. Remember somebody telling me one time, Pastor, I don't want you talking about those things. I am going to talk about it. I want to be really clear. I am going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about lying. I'm going to talk about stealing. I'm going to talk about homosexuality. I'm going to talk about affairs. Amen. I'm going to talk about living right for God because we need to live right for God. Amen. We need a boldness in the house of God today. You see, the devil doesn't want you to be bold. He wants you to be that scared Christian. See, the boldness is facing hell itself and putting it in subjection to God. Do you guys, do you guys know that demons are subject to God? See, horror movies today, they would have you believe that demons are not subject to God. I've seen commercials, and there's one movie coming up that I'm, I'm just really upset about. But I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to give it advertisement. But they have these movies where somebody has the cross, the crucifix, and they hold it up to the demonic person, and they start shaking, 
And it's like the, the demonic person just ignores it. Because there's no power there, that's why. The crucifix does not hold power. It, it, it symbolizes something, but there's no power in, the, in that sacrament. It's not even a sacrament. You know what holds power? A Holy Ghost-filled Christian. A Holy Ghost-filled Christian who says, who says, no, we ain't going to play that. Who do you think you are coming into my house? This blood-bought house that's been dedicated to Jesus. Who do you think you are coming against my child who's been dedicated to the Lord? Who's been dedicated to the Lord? Who do you think you are? I command you to leave him, her, my presence, his presence. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. You know what the devil does? He leaves. Quit telling me about the devil attacking your home. How about you doing some attacking, amen? Quit calling me up and say, oh, the devil's against me. Well, how about you go against him for a child? How about you go against the devil? Quit letting the devil have a victory. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. How about you stand up against the devil? Go ahead, sister. Praise God. It's fine. You praise God. Man, I wish we had that spirit in this church. Let me tell you something. I don't want to hear from you all day long, every day the devil's against me. Now listen, if you're struggling, that doesn't mean I don't want you to come tell me. Don't misunderstand me. But it is times Christians stand up and say, hey, pastor, the devil's coming against me, but me and God, we got this. Me and God, we got this. Me and God. Me and God. Let me tell you something. If the devil's in your home, then you need to find out why. Oh, come on. If the devil's in your home, you need to tell me why. Because it's my home. He's not welcome there unless I invite him. How do I invite him? Maybe some of the movies we watch? Maybe some of the things that we allow? Maybe the things that we say? Maybe the way we treat the other people in the house? You think God is going to be in my house when I'm treating my wife badly? You think God is going to be in my house when I'm yelling at my wife and telling her that she's no good and I hate her? Do you think God is going to be in my house and allow that? God says, I'm not going to put up with that. You're not allowed in my house. I'm not allowed in your house. Because, see, if God was allowed in my house, I would look at my wife and say, you're beautiful and I love you. Whatever this is, we're going to get through it. I don't need to yell at you. Now, does that mean we don't have high-level discussions sometimes? Of course we do. All right? And eventually, I admit that I'm wrong. <laughs> but I'm never going to get personal with my wife and say something to her intentionally. Now, do I hurt her sometimes? Obviously, yes, because I'm a man. Right? I do stupid stuff. But, man, I love her. Right? I love my daughter. I love my son. I love my parents. The devil is not welcome in my house. Some of you need to quit inviting the devil over for dinner. Okay? And you may, you may think that you're spiritual because 
Oh, I'm under attack. I'm under attack. But all you're doing is showing your weakness. Listen, I'm sorry for saying the things that I am, but I'm under the anointing right now, okay? I'm under the anointing. The Lord is touching me this morning. Now I'm going to say some stuff, and it may cause some of you to leave, but i got to say it, okay? I'm just being honest with you. Quit talking about the devil attacking you and use the word of God and go on the offensive. Amen? We battle not against flesh and blood. Pastor, you don't understand. Oh, it, I don't have to understand. The word of God is the word of God. Either you have the authority or you don't. If you don't, you need to get it. Come on now. Listen. He then says this. I want you to understand the authority that you're going to have. Behold, Luke 10, 19. Behold. Behold. I give you the authority to trample on servants and scorpions. Trample. Does anybody like snakes? When I was younger, my, my dad and I caught a, a six-foot black snake. Don't ask me why. We just did it, okay? We were rednecks. That's just what we did. And so my, my dad caught the snake, and he's holding it out like this. And he says, Keith, go get a box or something. And I started looking around for who he was talking to. Surely he did not mean me because that's a snake he's got in his hand. Right? And my dad was like a hero to me at that moment. I says, he's got a snake in his hand. That's crazy. Right? And then you know what the snake did? The snake started curling up around his arm because a, a king's, was it a king snake? Black snake. Black snake. Yeah, that's right. It, it was a snake. Okay? That's all that matters. The snake started to wrap itself around my dad's arm because you know what? It's, uh, uh, that kind of snake, the way it kills is it constricts and kills. It squeezes the life out of you. Brothers and sisters, some of you are trying to play with the devil. You should be trampling him instead of holding on to him because he's going to constrict you. Amen? He's going to squeeze the life out of you. He's going to squeeze the life out of you. Brothers and sisters, you need to trample on the devil. Amen? You, come on, get out your boots. We need to trample on the devil. Amen? The Bible says that we can trample on serpents and scorpions. Oh, man, that's awesome. Makes you want to go out and find a snake here in Alaska and trample on it. That's right. You guys already took care of that. Thank you. No snakes up here. And over the power of the enemy. And nothing. This is what you're afraid of. Nothing by any means shall hurt you. Now, i got to tell you, if you try to trample on a, a snake down south like a copperhead, you know what that snake's going to do? It's going to bite you, right? And down south, every snake is a copperhead. If you, if you ever go down south, you'll understand what that means. But a snake will reach up and he'll bite you. But see, when we do it in the spirit of the Lord, in his spirit, you're going to be trampling on snakes, and they're not going to bite you. They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to bring pain to you, brothers and sisters. I want you to know this morning, God has called you to take authority over the devil in your life, and your home. He has called you to have a boldness. It's time to stop cowering in fear with the enemy. It's time to start taking authority over the enemy. I don't know why we're so scared. The devil is just a toothless lion anyway. Then he says we're going to receive gifts. Number two, listen to the gifts. This is kind of a long verse. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. See, when God gives you the power of the Holy Ghost, the initial evidence is going to be speaking in tongues. I don't have time to go and show you the reason why for that. But in, in Acts, if you go back and read in Acts, every time they received the power of the Holy Ghost, it was always evidenced by tongues. Always. But then he's going to give you additional gifts. Some of you are going to have the power of healing. Let me, let me explain to you why that's important. I had a situation that was brought to me this morning of, of someone needing prayer. And I can't go. I can't go because I'm, I'm leaving town tomorrow. I need to make sure I speak with all the parents of those who are going to camp. I'm going to, out of town and I can't go. So what I, I looked at this person, I said, you go in my stead. Wait a minute, pastor, you should go. You're the pastor. No, again, my job is to preach. Amen? My job is to send you forth. Amen? If I can't go, then you can go. And And... I'm not going to tell you who this person is, but I love the look in their face. It went from horror to excitement. He said, well, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. And I said, just go in and pray. That's all you got to do. It's not rocket science. And, and, and they were so willing to do it. I'm so proud of them because God is working in their life and God is using them. And I don't mean to embarrass them in that story, but that's why I'm not telling who it is. But the point of the story is for me to empower you. And it's not really me empowering you. It's the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine? Praise God. See, this is, this is why the devil doesn't want you to have the Holy Ghost. Because he's contending with God in me. But imagine if he had to contend with God in all of you. Come on now. You ever, you ever been on a... You ever been on a school camp or a school ground and you went to go fight somebody or somebody went to go fight somebody and they were about ready to throw down and all of a sudden one of their friends showed up and it was one against 30? What did the person do? They ran off, right? Listen, the devil's about to run off this morning because he's about ready to be confronted with a lot of people this morning, amen? A lot of people empowered by the word of God, empowered by the whole, the Holy Spirit. You're going to go into your home. You're going to pray over your home. You're going to cast the devil out of your home. Uh, that doesn't mean get rid of your husband or wife. I didn't mean that. They're not the devil, okay? You can stay around, honey. I love you. Okay? They're not the devil. We battle not against flesh and blood. Let me make sure I'm clear about Pastor says you got to go. Move out. No, I never said that. Okay? What I said was we need to take authority over our homes. And then we need to have the fruit, of, not the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit operate in our lives. Amen? Imagine what can happen if there are those of us who could lay hands on people and they'd be healed. Imagine if there were those of us who had a discerning spirit. Imagine if there were those of us who had words of wisdom that they could share with somebody. I can't be everywhere at once, but you can. That's what God wants. He wants you. Well, pastor, I'm worried I'm going to say the wrong thing. Yeah, I get that. You know, you know what the devil will do? 
He will make you so scared into saying nothing when the one thing you could have said could have changed someone's life. Listen, I want to make sure I'm clear when I say this, okay? It's not what you say it's bad or wrong. It's the heart and the way you say it. Because God can take what you say if you have an earnest heart, you're trying to serve him, and use it for his glory, okay? Are you clear with me on that? God will cover your mistakes. God, that's what grace is for. He, now, if you're wrong, he'll show you. He'll, he'll demonstrate it to you. If I hear you, I'll say, hey, maybe you shouldn't have said that. Let's say this instead. That's my job is to guide and instruct. But if you have a heart, now, if you're going up in pride and say, I have a word for you, then don't do it. I had so many people saying, I have a word for you, and I was like, no, you don't. God said, I said, no, you had pizza. You had pizza last night. That's not God. Because you can tell, right? You can tell when someone has pride. You can tell that. Listen, God wants to give you the gifts of the whole. i got to hurry. Come on, Keith. Lastly, as I close here. You're going to receive the power of God. See, God chose to work through you. It's the great mystery. Because we as humans were corrupt, we're fallible, we fail. But God took this treasure and put it in us. If he trusted us, then why shouldn't we trust him? He wants to use you. He wants to use you. God could have certainly done the work on his own. He didn't need us, but he chose us. I read this somewhere, and I want to share it with you. God knew all of my faults and failures before I began and already had that factored in. He knew I was going to mess up. He knew I was going to get up in front of the church and say something that wasn't right. He knew that. He knew that I was going to make some big mistakes in my life, sometimes dishonoring my mom and dad, sometimes not being nice to my wife, sometimes not treating my kids or not treating you the right way. He knew that I was going to blow it. He knew. He knew that I would lay awake all night feeling like a failure on Sunday night. He knew that I would lose my job one day and face the humiliation of that. He knew that I would fail people and people would reject me or turn their back on me. He knew all those things about me, and he looked down from heaven and said, yeah, that's the guy right there. That's him. That's him. That's him right there. That's him. And I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure the angels are like, angels are like, God, are you serious? Look at him. 
Look at him. Come on, God. He's, he's like 30 pounds overweight. He, he, he sweats like a pig. I mean, come on, God. He's a failure. And God says, yes, he is a failure, but he's my failure, and I'm going to use him. Amen? And see, here's the great thing. If God uses me, a failure in every sense of the word, how much more is he going to use you? Praise God. How much more is he willing to use? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, if he's willing to use me. If he's willing to touch me, if he's willing to come down and say, Keith, I have called you, then trust me, he has called you. Amen? He has called you. He has called somebody. He's called somebody to be the youth pastor of this church. He's called somebody to be the associate pastor of this church. He's called somebody to start a church in downtown. He's called somebody to start a church at Douglas. He's called somebody. He's called someone to reach out to their friends and sisters and brothers and say, Jesus is the way. He's called somebody. He's called some, oh God. He's called somebody to go downtown and minister to the drunks and the drug addicts. To lay hands on them and heal them. He's called somebody. He's called somebody to intercede in prayer for the church and for the pastor. He's called somebody to raise their children in the right admonition of God. He's called somebody. What has he called you to do? And don't tell me nothing. What has he called you to do? Whatever he's called you to do, you need the Holy Ghost. Last scripture. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. See what keeps us from serving him? Just like I talked about last week is our unwillingness to let go of our old lifestyle. See, there's two acts of grace that you have to go through. The first one is justification. When Jesus comes into your heart, when he cleanses you from your sin. If you guys come on Wednesday night, you would learn about this because he's been talking about this. The second act of grace is sanctification. See, even though you've been saved, even though you've been cleansed, that doesn't mean that you can go back to the bars and do whatever you want. And too many people in this town feel this way. I've had people come in and get baptized in water. Oh, I'm good. See you later. No. See, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm hesitant to even allow people to do that anymore because I see what they do. They see it as I do this, and I'm good, and that's not true. We had one person give their testimony, and I never saw them again. Like, what is up with that? The second act of grace is sanctification, which means you walk away from that lifestyle. Oh, pastor, it's okay to do these things. How would you feel if you saw me doing it? Come on. Follow me as I follow Christ, amen? And if you can't see me doing it, maybe you shouldn't do it, amen? 
Not saying, not saying that I'm perfect because anybody who rides with me in the car knows that I'm not perfect, okay? But I'm not going to be seeing places where I know I shouldn't be seen. I'm not going to be doing things in secret that people think that, I don't, that God doesn't know about. We have to be sanctified. We have to be cleansed. And when that happens, you can receive the Holy Ghost. How do I get the Holy Ghost? Very complex way of doing it. Are you ready? I'm going to teach you. I'm not going to teach you how to speak in tongues. Don't misunderstand me, but I'm going to teach you how to receive the Holy Ghost. Are you ready? After you're sanctified, which means you're cleansed, you walk away from that nature. This is how you do it. Are you ready? Watch me. Father, give me your Holy Ghost. Okay, you got it? You with me? That was it. That's all you do. And then you believe. You believe. You're not going to lose control. Remember when I was talking about graduation? Remember when I was talking about graduation, how I could have been silent. I could have held it all in when my daughter was coming down, but she looked at me like, Dad, you better celebrate. And I did. I was like, ah, woo, that's my girl, Julia. Man, I yelled and screamed. My voice was hoarse. I, didn't, I mean, I love the other kids, but I was, I was excited about my girl. Because I kept thinking, she's almost out of the house. When I saw her, I started crying because I'm like, oh no, she's almost out of the house. You're not going to lose control. Everything we do, see this is a great part. You don't go into some trance, okay? But the Lord gives you the words, and it sounds like gibberish, but it's not. He gives you the words in here and in here. And you say it. You say it. And then you become emotional. That's it. I'm not teaching you what words to say. I'm just saying this is how you do it. If you want, everybody stand with me, please. I've, I've, man, I have preached my heart out today. I'm tired now. I can't do anymore. I'm going to ask you two things. I know some have to go, and that's okay. I'm not going to shorten my sermon for what we're doing. If you need to say to the Lord, I need to walk away from my carnal life, there are things that I'm still doing that I don't need to do, then I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward right now. There's things that I'm doing that I don't need to do. You need to be sanctified. Is there anybody else? I want my prayer team to come surround everybody, please. Keep the music going. It's good. Anybody else? Anybody else? This is an important moment. There's things that I'm doing that I don't need to do. And I need to, be cleansed. I need to walk away from my carnal nature. See, I know I talked about the Holy Ghost today, but we're not quite ready. We're not there yet. We're not, and I know we dealt with this last week, but we're going to deal with it again. When the Lord, the Lord releases me, we're going to go after the Holy Ghost, and we're going to have some tongue-talking people in this church. Amen? But right now, we need to deal with something. See, there's something called the flesh, a carnal nature. Right? We've got to get rid of that. 
We got to get rid of that. What is your carnal nature? Now I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be kind of direct here. Okay, so if you're standing before here, it must mean that you need something. Okay, who has a problem with saying bad words? Come on, raise your hand if you have a problem saying bad words. Hey, who has a problem with lust and sin? It's okay. Listen, we're here to acknowledge stuff, right? Who has a problem? Like, Pastor, don't tell everybody. Listen, <laughs> this is how we do it, amen? We're going to hold each other accountable, all right? Who has a problem with smoking something they shouldn't be smoking, right? All right? We need deliverance from these things. Who has a problem with taking a little sippy of something they shouldn't be taking a sippy of, right? How many have a problem with just sin in general? Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.